Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. All right, so we are going to be in John chapter 6. You can turn there in your Bibles or your devices if you would like to. It's also going to be up on the screen. Um, If you've been with us the last several weeks, probably four or five weeks, this sounds really familiar. We're in John chapter 6 because we've been in there for a lot of weeks. Um, This is one continuous story, which is what we need to remember before we start at verse 60. This is one story since the beginning of chapter 6. Actually, the whole word is one story, but we don't have time to go there. So chapter 6 is one story, and it started with Jesus feeding the 5,000. He performed this miracle and provided miraculous food for this crowd of people that was hungry and didn't have food. He provided this bread, and it was incredible to see God's provision in that. And then Jesus sent his disciples across the sea, and we saw Jesus show up in the midst of the storm for them. And and then they reached the other side of the sea, and a, a day or two later, this crowd comes around the long way. They come around finding Jesus and say, we, we want bread again. We, we want more. And, and that's where we find ourselves. That, that opens up this dialogue between Jesus and the crowd, and they're confused, and he's answering their questions, but they're just getting more confused. And that's then we find ourselves in uh, John 6, cha- verse 60, and it says this, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? And, and so what I want to draw our attention to right now, right off the bat, is that this is the disciples that Jesus is talking to and the disciples that we're talking about now. So last week, Phil talked about this conversation Jesus was having with the crowd, and he said, this crowd, they're, they're curious, but they're not committed. They're, they're curious about Jesus, about what he can do for them, about what he has done for them. They want more of that. They're curious about him, but they're not committed to him. They just want what he can give. And Phil showed us that that can be any of us. Even if we are followers of Jesus, we can be like that, yes. And today, right now, though, in this verse, it says, when many of his disciples, so now we turn from the curious, and Jesus is talking to the committed. He's talking to those that have been with him, those that have walked with him. In fact, this is about, I know we're only in chapter 6, this is about, uh, we're guessing, about a year and a half, maybe even two years into Jesus' ministry because John has already told us that two Passovers have happened. That happens once a year. So we're, we're maybe a year and a half, two years into the Jesus' ministry, and these are the followers, the committed of Jesus. Some of them may be following as, many, as much as a year and a half, two years. They've been walking with him day in, day out. And so they hear it. They hear it and say it's a hard saying. What are they, what are they hearing? Well, they're hearing the same teaching that the crowd just did. Jesus said to the crowd, I am the bread of life. So this is the first statement of what we call the I am statements of John where Jesus says, I am, and he fills in the blank. But really just him saying, I am, is this declaration that I am God. Because if we look back at the Old Testament, that's, that's what God said to call him. He said to Moses, call me I am. And so here's Jesus saying, I am. And then he fills that blank in this time with the bread of life. Come down from heaven. And the crowd says, well, we, we know your parents. We know where you're from. We, 
You've known your whole life. How can you be from heaven? And it challenges them. And this is the teaching that the disciples are hearing. We've, we've walked here with you for a couple of years and you're coming, but now you say you've come down from heaven. And then he says, not only is he the bread that has come down from heaven, he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, which is disgusting and confusing. What, what are you, you trying to turn us into cannibals? And the, crowd, the, the, the curious, see, they're, they're all of a sudden offended. <laughs> now, now let's see what the committed do. What do the committed do when they hear this? They say it's a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? He said, are you offended that I say I come down from heaven? What if you saw me go back up? What are you going to think then? He says, what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. You think I'm talking about eating my flesh for real and drinking my blood for real? The, the flesh is no help at all. This is, this is words of spirit and life I'm giving to you. Can you understand it that way in spirit and life? The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And then he goes on. After, thank you, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. One of the saddest verses in the Bible, perhaps. Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And so this is Jesus speaking to the committed, saying the words, and how do they react? They grumble and they're offended and some of them turn back, they turn away and one of them is going to betray him. There's a commentator that says John chapter 6 ends in failure and it would appear so, right? With all this going on, it appears like failure and yet what does it say? It says Jesus knew. Jesus knew. He's not fooled, he's not tricked, he's not surprised, he knew. So this isn't failure, this is what he knew from the beginning. But, but he says this, he says this to the 12. He turns to them and asks this question. And I think we need to hear him ask us this question too because the committed he's talking to, right, those who have followed him, he's talking to us. Many of us in this room would call, us, call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, committed to Jesus Christ. He's talking to us and he says, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to go away too? Which is, honestly, is kind of offensive, isn't it? I mean, look, this is the committed. They're, they're grumbling and offended at what Jesus has already said. Let me ask you this first. Have you ever been offended at what Jesus says? Have you been offended recently? <laughs> you should be. If you're listening, you probably should be grumbling a little bit at some of his words. 
No matter how long you've been following him, his words can offend. Why? Because Jesus comes to us and says, I am the rightful Lord of your life. I'm in charge of it all. I know. (laughs) Can I be honest? Sometimes I don't want that. I want to be in charge of me. And so when Jesus comes and says, no, I'm in charge of it all. I'm in charge of all of you. That that comes into conflict with the way I want my life to work in it offends me. So when was the last time you were offended by Jesus Christ? This isn't something to be scared of, by the way. There's a, there's a speaker who travels across the country. He goes to a bunch of college campuses. Some college campuses he talks to, talks to um, uh, you know, there's secular campuses where there's a lot of atheist students and the students will come to him and they'll challenge him and say, you know, you come in here with talk about Jesus, your imaginary friend. And he says, that doesn't bother him at all when they say that because he says, listen, if I was going to choose an imaginary friend, I would choose somebody far less annoying and challenging and convicting than Jesus Christ because he constantly comes up against the way I want my life to work. He's not an imaginary friend. He's Lord of my life. That's who he is. So we need to walk expecting Jesus to challenge us sometimes, maybe in uncomfortable ways. And so he challenges the disciples here. He turns to the 12, the ones that aren't leaving, by the way, the ones that aren't at least outwardly offended. And he says, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to go away too? And, and that's a hard question, really, isn't it? I mean, I thought I made this decision, Right? This is, this is the way we look at discipleship. I made that decision a while ago. Do I have to make that decision again? Yes. Uh, let me put it to you this way. R- author Russell Moore, he's a pastor and author, and he, he, he talks about how he will guide premarital couples. Couples who are looking to be married, and he, he, he guides them through counseling before he marries them, and one of the exercises he takes them through, he says it shakes them almost every time. He calls the, the bride-to-be and the groom-to-be together, and he, he says, listen, there's a homework assignment I have for you to do separately. I want you to go away, and I want you to write out the answers to the following scenarios. If I were going to cheat on you, here's how I'd do it. And here are the ways you could tell that I was lying about an affair. Imagine that. If you have been married, reflect back on your premarital counseling being Imagine being asked that. Imagine if you're, if you're looking forward to someday maybe possibly meeting that, that special guy, that special gal, and you're getting ready to get married. Imagine being asked that. He, and being asked to answer that question, here's, here's how I would be unfaithful to you. He says it shocks them almost every time. It sets them back and reeling, and they don't want to do it. And, and who could blame them, right? Because they're in love, and they can't imagine ever, ever wanting to, walk away from this person they're in love with, they can just imagine gazing into each other's eyes forever and ever. And Russell Moore says, that's why I ask him. He says, I don't, I don't expect this to prevent infidelity, infidelity later on. We can't predict the future. And a lot of times we're going to fool ourselves about our own sin anyway. That's not why I ask him. He says, I want to shake him. I want to shake them just enough for a moment, maybe just for a moment, think about that they're not immune to this. They're not immune from sexual temptation and sin. They're not immune from the temptation someday to walk away. And he said, I I, I want them to start to be honest with each other, not be scared, but be honest with each other about, here's here's how I'm tempted to be unfaithful to you. And, and, And here's where I'm vulnerable. 
He wants them to start that conversation. That's not a conversation to be scared of. That's a conversation to have because he says, I want them to start doing spiritual warfare for their marriage. Do you know marriage is spiritual warfare? It is. We sign up because we're in love. We expect it to be good and easy, but listen, it's spiritual warfare. Do you know why? Because it's a picture of the gospel. That's why. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. He talks about husbands love your wives and here's how wives are supposed to love their husbands and he talks about mutual submission and mutual sacrifice and he says, of course, you know, I'm not really talking about husbands and wives. I'm talking about Christ and the church. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm really talking about because, because marriage is a picture of the gospel. Do you know we have an enemy of the gospel? He hates the gospel and he hates every picture of the gospel and that's why marriage is spiritual warfare because there's an enemy against marriage and against every picture of the gospel. And we come to our relationship with Jesus Christ and it's good, there's good promises. There's life to be found here. We're gonna talk about that, but some, sometimes we expect it to be easy. Listen, our relationship with Jesus Christ is spiritual warfare. Because our relationship with Jesus Christ is not just a picture of the gospel, it's the point. Do you know that? The point of the gospel the whole reason Jesus died on a cross and rose again, the whole point of this gospel is for a relationship with him, for him to be with you. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is the point of the gospel. And it's warfare because there's an enemy against it. How do we fight that warfare? We start by asking this question. Do you want to go away as well? Jesus asked this to his disciples. And, and you know, I, like I said, this is a decision. We already made that, right? We can feel like that. If I'm going to ask this question of myself, do I want to go away today? Well, I already made that decision. Years ago, I decided to follow Jesus. And, and we think we're once and done, but I don't think we are. My daughter, Abby, when she was like, she's, she's almost 12 now, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's not here, but don't quote me on that. Um, when she was like six or seven, she was going to this Awana program. Awana is this, this program in another local church had it and where kids of like elementary school age and nursery school, they can come and they, they learn about Jesus and they memorize a whole lot of Bible verses and it's great and she was learning all this stuff. And then there was this celebration at the end of the year. They had this ceremony at the end of the year Awana because, you know, you got to celebrate that you graduated anything, right? So, so come back and they celebrate all the verses they memorized, which is a great thing. And then finishing this year out, and the pastor in the celebrate, he, he gives this altar call for these kids. He says, listen, you've heard a lot about Jesus this year. And if you would like a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'd invite you to come forward. He invites this, uh, this prayer for them to start into their relationship with Jesus Christ. And Abby, she's seven years old, she goes forward. Beautiful. Isn't that neat? She goes forward with one of her friends and, and my wife, I wasn't there, but my wife is standing beside the mom of the other friend, right? And they're seeing their two little girls go down, go down front and accept Jesus as their savior and the other mom, they're, they're both smiling. The other mom leans over to, to Rach and she says, well, this is about the first of about 12 times in their life they're gonna do this, right? And I mean, like, <laughs> if you've followed Jesus for any length of time or maybe like me grew up in the church, you, you understand that comment because we... We say yes to Jesus and we pray, but then we get a little further down our walk and we think, did I really? Like, I mean, was that enough? Did I do that for real? And it's not that we're doubting God, we're doubting us. And, and, and somehow I think that if I were strong enough or if I did this the right way, I wouldn't have to ask again. I wouldn't have to commit again. I wouldn't have to pray the prayer again. You know, I think that's not actually right. Right? 
I, I think we got to ask 12 times in our lives. I think maybe we ask, got to ask a lot more often than that. See, discipleship isn't so much deciding to follow Jesus years ago and following them, him perfectly for the rest of your life. Discipleship is, listen to me, discipleship is re-following Jesus every single day. Every single day. So, I was gonna say I don't care. I do care. If you said yes to Jesus years ago, I do care. But my question isn't, did you say yes years ago? My question is, would you say yes today? Thank you. Do you want him? Or do you want to go away as well? Because the disciples are in this question. They've seen these crowds come up to Jesus. They've seen them follow him. They've seen miracles. They've seen healings. And it's been awesome. They're part of the in crowd. It's great. But now droves of people are walking away. Friends that they've had for a year and a half that said yes to Jesus are walking away. And Jesus says, do you want to go away too? It's a question we've got to ask ourselves. Do you want to go away today? Or do you want to follow Jesus today? How, how do we fight this spiritual warfare? Well, we start, I, I think, where Peter answered this question. Uh, and I think we can gain some hints from looking at Peter's answer. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Lord, to whom shall we go? If we're not going to come to you, it means we're going somewhere, so where am I going to go? Do you know you're always going somewhere? So listen, if you don't want Jesus, if you're not walking toward him today, where are you going? Or maybe a better question that would get around kind of our defenses would be, where am I going today? <laughs> and then figure out if the question, the answer is, is Jesus or not. See, Phil gave us this equation last week. He said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He, he was reminding us that Jesus and only Jesus saves us. Jesus plus nothing. And I was going to get up here today and tell you that, you know, we try to fill in that nothing blank and Jesus plus something. But you know, that's not really true. Because nothing can fill in that nothing blank. There's only room for one thing. Listen to me. There's only room for one thing on that side of the equation. And what we try to do, if we try to do anything other than Jesus, is we try to replace Jesus on that side of the equation. See, it's like this, there's this word priority. It became part of the English language in the 1400s, priority. It meant that which is of utmost importance. That which is most important. And we had that word since the 1400s. And then you know what happened in the 1900s? 500 years later, somebody came along and turned it plural. Priorities. Because I think we were trying to fool ourselves <laughs> and think because we changed the tense of the word, fool ourselves that we could change reality, that we could have more than one. That we could have more than one important thing, more than one thing uh, that is of most importance. We can't. It's priority, singular. And when we ask ourselves, do we want to go away as well? One way to ask it is, what's my priority today? What's my priority today? And this is a, this is a hard thing to figure out sometimes. What am, I, what am I going after? What am I falling after? And, and sometimes we don't see it, right? Sometimes I don't see this on my, uh, in myself in simple ways. I've got this internet browser on my phone. I think it's Google Chrome. 
I don't know which one it is, but you go on that internet browser and I open it up and it, it has a bunch of suggested stories, right? It has 15, 20 suggested stories. And, and I used to go on that and think that's, those are some of the most important things happening in the world right now. So I'm gonna scroll through those and find out what is most important, right? And then I got on there one day and 15, 20 stories are on there and all but two of them are about Marvel movies and Marvel shows that are coming up. I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be more important things than that going on in the world than superhero shows. And then I realized what had happened. It's because the last two or three stories I clicked on, maybe more, <laughs> were about Marvel TV shows and Marvel movies. And see, that internet browser has, a, has an algorithm in it that feeds back on itself. And so you know what it feeds back to you? That which you've already sought out. And folks, we've got this in our lives, everywhere in our lives. And if we're not careful, we're just going to keep going after what we're already going after. We've got to find a way to break out of that feedback loop or we're just going to keep feeding back. And the, the, our lives and our choices and our wants are going to tell us what's important, except it's not going to be what's most important. It's going to be what we thought was important yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And, and so how do we do that? Well, there's, there's this old practice called examine. There are these sheets when you, you came in on your way in, if you, you might have picked one up. If not, there's, they're on your way out. And it, it walks you through one way to do this. There's no formula for this. But the point of examine is it's a practice of self-examination, but really not just self-examination, examination with the Holy Spirit, with God. And it's an examination not, a, not a just about what I'm doing, but what am I doing in my relationship with God? It's a way of saying, you know what? What am I going after today? What's my one thing for today? And, and so I would invite you to, to pick one of these up on the way out and, and prayerfully ask the questions in God's presence. This isn't an exercise in shame or guilt. This is just an exercise in figuring it out because Jesus, if I don't have you at the center, I want, I want you at the center. And, and there's all sorts of questions we could ask. We could examine our thought life and, and we could ask this, what do I think about most? Or, or maybe this question is more helpful. What preoccupies my imaginations when I have nothing else competing for my attention? Because there's those moments, right, that we all have that are downtime in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the busyness, when nobody else is calling for your attention, where does your mind automatically go? Let me suggest to you that's your one thing for today. Or, or we could examine not just our thought life, we could take the same questions into our finances, how we spend money. What do I spend money on the most? Because Jesus said where, our, where his money goes, <laughs> that's where our hearts will be also. Our, that shows us what we want. Where do you spend money on the most? Or, or what do I spend money on when I have nothing else competing for my finances? So after all the bills are paid, <laughs> after you got all your needs met, where does your money go? That might be your one thing. We could... We could ask that question, these questions about our anxieties. You know, what keeps me awake with worry? Because if it keeps you awake with worry, it's probably what's most important to you. What worst case scenarios do I dwell on regularly? If they have more to do with me and my comfort than his kingdom, I've got to wonder. I've got to pray. I've got to confess, Jesus, I might have something else besides you as my priority. We can look at this in our happiness if you're going to go to the next slide, our happiness, what gives me most contentment? Or what 
about what do I think if I just had this, then everything will be okay. Whatever that is, that's your one thing. Or, or we could question ourselves about our compromise. What teachings of Jesus am I prone to avoid, right? What teachings do I grumble at? What teachings, in what areas of my life do I divert my eyes away from God's truth toward a way that seems right to me? And if it seems right to me, you know where it leads? Death. That's what scripture says. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to death. If it's a way that seems right to me, but it's not the part of me, it's not desires that are redeemed by God and his spirit, it doesn't lead anywhere good. And so we ask these questions of ourselves because, because we wonder about this question. Like Jesus says, do you want to go away too? And we wonder like when the day comes, if the day comes for me, would I be willing to choose Jesus Christ over and above my own life? If somebody said deny Christ or I'm gonna kill you, would I, would I make that right choice? We wonder that. Let me put it to you this way. You have that choice today. You have that choice today. Are you spending your life for Jesus Christ today? And if we aren't, that's what's going to make me wonder about a few years down the road if I'm asked to give up my actual physical life. Because sometimes we wonder where our lives are going and we can't tell because there's so much busyness and there's so much chaos to our lives. You know what Annie Dillard says? She said this, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Do you want to know how you're going to spend your life? How are you spending today? That's how you're going to spend your life. She says, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing do you want to know if you're going to be willing to die for Christ in that hour? Are you giving up your life for him in this one? And what do we do when we find that? What do we do if we examine ourselves and we find some of these things that, Jesus, I think I've got something in your way. In my way, well, I, I put it aside at least for a time. I put it aside at least for a time. That's one thing we can do. That's called Fasting. You can fast food if you, you find food's more too important in your life. You can fast entertainment. You can fast reading. You can fast almost anything. There's one thing you don't have to fast. You don't have to fast Jesus. <laughs> but we, we fast these things. That's actually what Jesus is doing right here. See, we have a God. He, he fed the 5,000 at the beginning of this chapter, right? We have a God who provides our meals. Isn't that astounding? You're going to go home. You're probably going to eat lunch today. God provided you that meal. He's willing to do that because he loves you so much. You know what we also have? We have a God who's willing for us to skip a meal or two to remind us what's really important, to remind us what we really need. And you think about the disciples here, and, and Jesus says, do you want to leave too? And I wonder if they were hungry too. I wonder if those 12 baskets full had emptied out by now, and they're standing there with stomachs grumbling, and Jesus said, do you want to leave too? And he's inviting them to what? To just, just skip a meal. To remind them of what's really important. What's really going to meet their needs. And it's really just him. That's it. That's what's going to meet our needs. And, and, and sometimes we, 
we say, well, yeah, but how does that meet our needs? Like, what does that really look like? And Peter answers that question. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? I can't go anywhere else. You are the only one because what do you give? You give eternal life. Eternal life is what God gives. And we sell this short, folks. Like, we think eternal life. And, and what do you think of when you think of eternal life? Well, I think of just more of what's going on right now, just maybe a little bit better. More of this going on forever and ever. More of, more of the life that I have right now. I, I think maybe that I'll, it'll just be more and more days, but I'll be at my I, ideal weight. Or I'll, I'll be at a, you know, under 20% body fat. And I'll feel like I'm running 10, be ready to run 10 miles a day. I feel like I just down to power drink all the time. My attitude will always be positive. My relationships will always be perfect and my house will be bigger. That's what I think of when I think of eternal life. I think it's just more of this only better and going on forever. Folks, that's not eternal life. Jesus actually tells us about this life. Just a few verses before. See, what we're talking about here, when we talk about this life, it's the other side of the equation. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. What's the everything? Eternal life. Eternal life. So Jesus, what do you mean? Here's what he means. You back up a few verses to these confusing verses. He says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you're gonna go home and eat lunch today. You're gonna eat food. You're gonna have something to drink. Do you know that's not true food? That's not true drink eat food and you drink drinks and that, that gives you more of the same. That gives you more of this life. But it's not true food. My flesh that I'm giving up for you, that's true food because it gives true life. My blood, it's true drink because it actually, literally can give you true life. So, so what's true life? Jesus says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood abides in me. See, flesh counts for nothing. It's not eating flesh or drinking blood. It's not taking communion at a certain time or in a certain way. Physical counts for nothing. His words are spirit and life. It's relationship with him is what he's calling us to, abiding in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. So what's eternal life? It's not the more of the same that we've experienced. Listen, as the living Father, eternal life is as God lives. This is the life I'm offering to you. Listen, I live. Jesus lives because of the Father. The life that Jesus Christ has, this is eternal life that he's calling us into. So it's not more of the same. It's to live like Christ lives. Anybody want to live like Christ lived? To live life as God intended? See, we, eternal life, living as God intended would be living with a new authority in our lives. That, that God is the authority of all of our lives and all of our life is in subjection to him. And we'll never have to doubt, Lord, are, are you the priority? Because he'll always be the priority. Because he's the Lord of our life. It's living in the reality of that. It's, we're new creations at the deepest level. New creations at the deepest levels of our being. Because we've got a new identity out of which to live. That old identity that brings shame and guilt and you're trying to figure out who you are based on that old identity, it's gone. We have just a new identity 
as sons and daughters of the living God, nothing more and nothing less. New identity. We have a new mind to be able to recognize God's truth, to be able to think the thoughts, to be able to set our minds on things above. This is eternal life. We have new emotions. New emotions that drive us to love God and love others and love, love strangers in ways nobody else would be driven to love strangers, to love even our enemies. Think about that, to want to love our enemies. God gives us new emotions as part of this new life to live in him, new appetites and desires so my wants are exchanged for his wants. So I actually, I actually want holiness because of my relationship with him. We get a new community. You know, Peter says, where else are we gonna go? Not where else am I gonna go. Where else are we gonna go? Because we're brothers. Because we're, we're following him together. We've got a new community, brothers and sisters right here. Where are we going today? We don't just have a new community. We have new power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit wells up in us to make choices that we do not have the power or desire to make on our own. New freedom from all of what used to bind us up. All the shame, all the guilt, all the past, all the future temptations. Freedom from all of it. We have a new life of what? Unhindered relationship with the living God. What we were made for since the dawn of time. That is eternal life. It's not more the same forever and ever and ever. It's this forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Do you want that? Do you want that? That's what he calls us to. That's what he invites us to. And there's nowhere else to get it except him. Nowhere else to go to except him. And, and that's what Peter says. Peter says, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy one of God. We trust you, Jesus. We believe that you're what? The Holy One of God. Holy One is this, this title used for God all throughout the Old Testament. And, and it's for the God who redeems and rescues his people. The God who comes after his people. Do you know God is coming after you? It's the God who comes after his people. And Peter says, we believe it. We believe that you're him. We believe in you. And we've come to know it. We're sure of it. We're sure of it. How do, how do we get sure of it? How did Peter get sure of it? Do you know how Peter got sure of it? By following Jesus yesterday. He says, Jesus, I followed you yesterday. And, and I saw the power you had to provide for all those people. And I followed you to the day before that and I saw you heal lepers and, and, and give sight to the blind. He, he says, I, I saw you have mercy for those people who are outcasts, so I know you're going to have mercy on me. He says, I saw you chase after the sinners, so I know you're chasing after me. He says, I, I've come to know. See, this is how we come to know. <laughs> you might be here and you might say, yeah, I believe. Man, sometimes I don't know. How do you come to know? By choosing to follow Jesus today and yesterday and the day before that, and tomorrow, and the day after that, and we come to experience Jesus Christ as the only source of life, and we come to be sure that it's him and only him that gives that. Do you know he is the Holy One? 
He's the Holy One. And that's why we can come like Peter today and say, so today, today I choose you, Jesus. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're there with saying, today I choose Jesus. But still in the back of our minds, there's that, what about tomorrow? Like, what about, what about later on? What if I actually have to face that choice? I know, I know, spend my life for Jesus today, but there, there is tomorrow or the day after that when I might be called to give my life or my comfort or something else that I hold dearly, maybe too dearly, for Jesus Christ, what am I going to choose? And, and here's the thing. Peter screwed up. There came a day for Peter when he didn't want to follow. When he said, you know what? Jesus, I don't want you today. I'd rather have security. I'd rather have safety. I'd rather have comfort. I'd rather have my life than your life. And he betrayed Jesus Christ. What do we do with that? Because for us, there's coming a day. I don't know what it'll look like, but for us, there might be coming a day when our choice, where the stakes feel a lot higher than they do today. But I think that's why Jesus says the very next words he says to Peter. Do you know what he says after this? Peter makes this bold declaration. We have believed and come to know you're the Holy One. And you know what Jesus says? I chose you. I chose you. And and see, you know, like if you've been around church for a long time, maybe you've heard of it. There's all these doctrinal discussions we have about things like Calvinism and Arminianism. And it's basically these, these doctrinal beliefs that say Calvinism says God chose us, we didn't choose him. And Arminianism says we chose God, he didn't choose us, we had free will. Which is it? It's both. It's both. You say, how can that be? It's a mystery, folks. There's mystery to our faith. God chose us and we chose him. It's both. I could turn to anywhere in scripture and show you that, but we don't have to turn to anywhere. We, we see it right here. Jesus invites his disciples. He says, listen, do you want to go too? It's your choice. The choice is right before you. What do you want? What do you want to choose? What are you going to choose? It's your choice. I'm not going to demand it of you. It's your choice. And then for those times when it feels like we're not strong enough to make that choice, when it feels like we're going to fail in that choice, when it feels like I'm not strong enough to hold on to Jesus today, Jesus says, it's okay, I chose you. I'm holding on to you. Do you know this? Do you know this today? This is what Jesus says in this mystery. Yes, you've sought after me. Yes, you've chosen me. But do you know what? No one can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. That's what he said. Do you know that the Father is not indifferent to you coming to him? Do you know how I know that? You're here. You're hearing, not my words, you're hearing a word, word from God. He drew you here today. He's pursuing you. 
You have a father in heaven who's calling you to eternal life, found in a relationship with him. He is pursuing you, and you get the free choice today to receive the gift. Say yes. Today I choose. And and if you've chosen that a thousand times before, I don't care. I do care. But like, listen, what you have is today. And so what are you going to choose today? So how do we fight the spiritual warfare? The spiritual warfare that is our relationship with Jesus Christ. We examine we find things we might be putting in his place. And then the scripture calls us to other things too. God gave us communion. Jesus gave us this. It's a symbol. He called us to remember. See, that's a way to do spiritual battle in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Folks, <laughs> this is battle. To remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you. To accept his invitation one more day, one more time and say, yes, I don't know about tomorrow, but today, Jesus, I choose you. And so we're going we're gonna to make that choice in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to make that choice together. So if you didn't get one of these on the way in, you can raise your hand now and someone will be around to to distribute a couple of these so that we can all take communion together in a moment. And there's one other thing I'll invite us to practice right now. Well, two things. So let me invite you to this. If you aren't at that place with Jesus, I want to invite you to not take communion. <laughs> like, it's not, I'm not trying to keep you out. I'm not trying to exclude you from anything. I'm just saying this is a symbol that, that means something that you're not part of yet. Now, if you're ready to make that commitment, then say yes to Jesus. That's as simple as it is. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe you're my Savior. You died for me, and you are my Lord, and I give my life to you. That's, that's Say yes. But if you're not there, it's okay to just pass by communion today. We're going to remember with communion in just a moment. You know, the thing we're going to do first is sing. We're going to sing because singing is a choice too. Singing is a way to say yes to Jesus too. And I know some of you all, most of you were in the room, but I, I know some of you all show up at like 20 after the hour because you're like, I'm just here for the word. I, I, I don't care about all that singing stuff. I'm just here for the word. Well, I, I'm not trying to shame you or anything or call you out. I'm just saying like, if you want to follow the word, do you know what the word tells us to do again and again and again and again and again? It tells us to sing. Do you know why? Because singing is a way to do spiritual battle battle to remind ourselves. Singing involves our whole beings, heart, soul, mind, and strength. So for one moment, I can put aside all the distractions and sing, and my attention is turned more fully than it was the moment before on him. So I'd invite you to sing, and then we'll remember together. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.